I'm in September, uh, I have to confess that I get my hopes up. Uh, I have to, it's, it's not a good thing, but every time this, in September, I get my hopes up. And uh, I really, truly start to believe uh, and put my hope and my faith in the fact that my t fighting Texas Aggie football team uh, will, will actually be great, right? I, I usually start slow, right, because I, I want to temper my expectations. But something good happens, right? First game, second game, we mop up on Florida School of the Blind or whatever it is. And uh, I start to feel good, right? And I get my hopes up, right? And I, I start to put some faith in uh, some 18-year-old boys uh, to win an SEC championship, to win a, a national championship. And then inevitably, year after year, since I've been an Aggie football fan, uh, we run into reality. And uh, last night it was Alabama, and it was ugly. And uh, it's also this time of the year that I realized that putting my faith in a bunch of 18-year-old boys who wear Aggies across the front is dumb. <laughs> it's uh, pointless. It's useless. And uh, they usually underperform uh, in comparison to my expectations of them. And it's, it's really not a good place for me to put my faith and my hope in uh, because it never comes through. And now many of us do the same thing, and it may not be with a football team. It might be, uh, yours might be the Cowboys, which I think is we could have substituted Aggies for Cowboys, or we could have substituted um, something else, right? We are all people of faith. We all put our faith into something, to someone. And it might be a team. Uh, it might be yourself. It might be in someone else. It might be in your success. It might be in your children, right? And we put our faith in something. And we, what we want in return, right, is uh, them to come through for us. We want, we want to live through their success, right? Because if they put me out there to compete against Alabama, it would have been 77 to nothing at halftime, right? We want, I put my faith in them so they can perform for me. We all do this. We all do this in some capacity, whether it's our sports teams, our children, our careers, our personal success, other people. We put faith. We are all people of faith. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise that, some, that the religious are the people of faith and those who are scientists or rational. They don't have any faith. No, we are all people of faith. We're all putting our hope and our faith and our trust in something, right? It's just a matter of what that is. Today, that's what we're going to be talking about, um, is faith. Uh, it's just what I described. It's what you put, place your bet on, right? Not that we're gambling people, but it's what you put, what you go all in on. It's what you trust. It's what you think will give you the most in return. Uh, we put faith into all sorts of things, and some of them, it's, it's silly, like 18-year-old boys playing a game, right? It's silly to put faith in that. Uh, it's, we put faith into business ventures and sports teams and people and our own performance, our own ability to do well. And inevitably, what you find out is if you put your faith in the wrong thing, eventually you'll run into Alabama. Eventually you'll run into, <laughs> eventually you'll run into someone else that's better at business than you or somebody that's nicer than you or kids that are more well-behaved than yours. If that's what your faith is in, eventually it will not work. So the question this morning is not just do you have faith, but it's what your faith is in. 
Who is your faith in? What is your faith in? Spiritually speaking, faith is the road to salvation. There is no other way to get to God. It is the road you must take. To get to Lufkin from here, there's probably a number of ways you can go, right? But spiritually speaking, there is one road that leads to salvation, and we're going to see it over and over again that it's faith. And where you put your faith, because we're all people of faith, determines which road you're on. And which road you start on is the road you stay on. And one road leads to salvation, and there are a thousand other roads that lead away from it. We can put our faith in, in Jesus alone and trust him for our righteousness, just like we sang over and over again today, that, that he's the only way for me. We can do that, and it leads to salvation, but we can put our faith in all sorts of other things. How good we are, how nice we are, how often we come to church, how much money we give, how much we volunteer. We can put our faith in those things, but they don't lead to salvation. So far, what we've seen, and it's, it's really hard to preach a sermon series that's not yours, so I'm kind of stepping in in the middle of my dad's brain, which is ugly, right? You know, it's hard. It's complicated up there, right? He seems like a simple man, but it's... Anyway, I'm right in the middle of it. But what we've seen so far is this. This is his... his he, don't tell him I said that, please. Don't tell him I said that. What we've seen so far in this series on salvation, Pike, can we show his outline? Is number one, that God is righteous. He's holy. He's perfect. He created the world. He knows every star's name. And he's perfect. Absolutely perfect and holy in all of his ways. And God created us, and he gave us choice, right? We could choose to go his way. And he said, if you go my way, it'll lead to life. But if you go your own way, you can do whatever you want. It won't. It'll lead to death. We call that sin, right? When we choose our own way over God's way. And what we did, all of us, to a man, to a woman, is we chose our own way. Right? We, we, when we sin, we bring God down and say, no, I know what's better than you. And that sin, because God is perfect, causes this separation between us and God. Right? That we are not able to cross because we can't clean ourselves up enough. We can't fix what we've done wrong to get to God. That's what sin is. But the Bible says that God so loved us, right, that he gave his only son to die for us to create a way for us to cross that great separation, right? And it's based on grace, number three up there. It's not, not anything we earn, just like we sang. Uh, I can't think of the lyrics right now, but we just sang it. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. That's what grace is. And sin causes the separation, but salvation comes by grace. And then last week we saw that God demonstrates his love for us. He doesn't just feel it, he does it. And he did that by sending Christ to die for us. Four words, Christ died for us, right? And that's how we can have access. Now, the question today is this. We see the problem. All are sinners. And we're separated from God. And we see that there is a solution. Jesus died. But how do we participate in that solution? How do, how do, does everybody get, just get saved because Jesus died? Or do I have to do something or be something or have something in order to be saved? That's what we're going to look at today. And here's, here's the whole summary. And, Pate, I think we have this. Faith in Jesus is the road to salvation. Faith in Jesus is the road to salvation. It's the road you've got to get on to go to salvation. Trying to earn it yourself is the road away from salvation. If we look at John 3.16, you don't even have to look there because you know it. You've heard it. John 3.16 says this, 
God so loved the world. It's everyone, regardless of race, religion, color, whatever. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It means he sacrificed him. He gave him up. He, he, he paid the way for us to be with him. For the whole world, he did it. Then it says that whosoever, is what I memorized, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we clearly see Jesus died for our sins, right? So we see the problem. We see the solution. But it's not that everybody gets it. It's not that everybody's just, okay, Jesus died. We're all saved. We're all going to heaven. No, He says that whoever believes, and believes and faith are the same word in, in the Bible, in Greek. It's the same exact word. Whoever has faith in him, whoever believes in him, will be saved, will inherit eternal life. So we see salvation exists, it's possible, and the road to it is through faith. We see it again in Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8 says this, it says, for by grace you have been saved. We've already talked about that, it's a gift. It's something we didn't earn, it's not something we deserved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And so we've talked about that, that we're saved not because uh, God looked at us and thought, wow, those are some really impressive people. Those are some really well-organized, well-put-together people. I want to save them. No, it's the exact opposite. It says, while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. So we, we're saved through grace, by grace through faith. And this, this verse makes it clear that the road we have to go down is faith. Now, I thought it was interesting about Zach's testimony, and you didn't get to hear all that I got to hear. Um, but I loved, I felt like what he had to say was really powerful, because I think it's a story that so many people have in our day. They sit in church a lot. They, they're around the things of God. They're around church. They're around Christians so, so much. And what Zach said, and I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, brother, because I think what you said is really powerful, so I'm just going to use your words, not mine. Zach said, I sat there my whole life. I've been in this church and this church and that church. He said, but I didn't really want to be there. <laughs> I didn't really want to be there, right? He said, most of the time what I did was I slept, maybe played a game or two on the phone, right? He wasn't awake. He wasn't awake to the things of God, and he talked about this, this sense of being fake, right? And last Sunday, he came to this place where he just like, I'm tired of faking it. I want to be honest. And I love that. I think that's so important. Why? Why was Zach like that? Why, why, why was he asleep? Why was he like that? Biblically speaking, it's because he didn't have faith, right? He didn't have faith in God. He didn't really believe that God exists and that Jesus died to save him, right? So I understand why when somebody like me gets up here and speaks for 30 minutes, you might want to play a game on your phone, right? If you have no interest in God or the things of God, listening to me talk is not that exhilarating, I promise. My wife can tell you, right? I can understand that if you don't have faith, if you don't really believe what we're talking about, of course, go to sleep, man. Do it, right? But God did something extraordinary in his life last week. Sitting here, listening to the same thing he's heard 5,000 times, that Christ died for us. And Zach had something change in him. What was it? God gave him faith. God gave him belief. He didn't just, okay, yeah, Jesus died for me. No, Jesus died for me. He believed it. 
He absolutely believed it. God woke him up. God changed his heart. He gave him faith. And it led to action, right? It, didn't just, it wasn't just a personal, okay, now I believe. No, he, he wanted to tell the whole world. He wanted to tell you. He wanted to publicly declare that in baptism, right? He didn't want to let everybody think he was just faking it. He wanted you to know exactly what had happened in his heart, that he had faith. Now, you may be in the same boat as Zach, right? I recognize so many of you in here. <laughs> You've been here. You've heard this message. You know the things of God. But my question today is, are you just here? Are you really awake to the things of God? Do you just know some facts about God and, and know some songs about God? Or do you have faith in God, right? You may be questioning things. You may be wondering, how can I have a relationship with God? How can I be close to God? I see that in other people. And you may be wondering that. And I'm telling you today, there is a way. And it's like Paul is going to do over and over. He's standing there. He's pointing to the way over and over. And he says the way to salvation is that way. It's faith. It's a road called faith in Jesus. So you can try to go down all these other roads, works, performance, cleaning yourself up. He says, nah, -uh. those don't lead to salvation. The only way to salvation is through faith. The only way you can be saved, fixed, restored, made right. The only thing that will ever satisfy you, give you peace, give you purpose, is faith in Jesus. Romans 1.16 says it like this. Paul says, and he's going to say this so many times in Romans about faith. Romans 1.16 and 17, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone, here it is, who believes, who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You see it over and over and over again, right? It's those who believe, those who have faith. It's from faith. It's for faith. It's by faith. It's through faith, right? And what he's saying here is that the, the way we experience the power of God in our lives in our day is through this gospel that he's talking about, this good news. This good news that Jesus died in my place. Jesus took the punishment that I deserved, and he swapped places with me. He took the punishment, and he gave me his reward. But that's the good news. We don't have to experience what we deserve, which is death because of our sin. We can swap places with Jesus. That's what he offers. That's what he offers. That's the power of God in our lives as Christians. But he says the only way you'll ever experience that is if it's from faith. That's the road to salvation, is faith. See, the Jews, we talked about it this morning a little bit in our life group. The Jews knew all about uh, the rules and the ways, and, and they, they had it detailed, and they had all these things that they had to follow and do. And they kept those laws, and that's how they viewed their relationship with God, right? If I've done really well this week, then I feel really close to God. <laughs> if I didn't go and sacrifice that goat, then I don't feel as good this week, right? Didn't burn that incense this week, right? And they had all of these works, is what we call it. And if they kept them, then they knew they could be right with God. But if, ultimately, the truth was is they never could keep them. It was impossible for them to keep them. They couldn't ever measure up to the standard of perfection. That's what we've said. God is righteous and holy. He's up here, and we will never measure up. Now, for us, 
you will never experience salvation as long as you're trying to prove yourself to God. As long as you're trying to prove yourself to others, how good you are, how much you deserve it, how great your life is, how well put together you are, that is the opposite of the gospel. The only way we can experience salvation is through faith. You will never be good enough. And that sounds like really bad news, but it's not. I'm telling you the truth. You will never measure up. If you have this laundry list of things, I got to go to church Sunday and Wednesday, check, check. I got I to gotta give my money to the church, check. I got to volunteer at this, check. I got to serve here. I got to be nice to my wife, check. If your standard of your relationship with God is based on your works, you will always be let down, just like I am every September with Aggie football, right? I will always be let down by Aggie football because they probably will never win a national championship. Sorry, Justin, not to bust your bubble. If our standard, our feeling of closeness to God is based on our works, we'll never measure up. That's the message today. The only way to salvation is through faith. It's not works. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. The only way you can measure up is faith. Faith that Jesus loves you, he died for you, and he offers this identity change, right? He lived a perfect life, I didn't. But he offers to take my punishment that I deserve, give me his life in return, right? And he dies in my place where I deserve to, and I get to live forever with God. That's, that's what's offered here. That's what faith gives us. Faith says, I don't have it, God. I'm not enough. I can't do this. I will never measure up. God, help. That's faith. Crying out to God, and he will save you. I want us to look at a few more examples from Romans. If you flip to Romans chapter 3, if you got your Bible open, if they're not, then they'll be on the screen. I want you to see more of what Paul has to say about this faith um, and what it looks like and what it does for us. So Romans 3, we'll start in verse uh, 21. Romans 3, 21. It says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Let me just explain that really quick. He says, the righteousness of God. Righteousness just means uh, the, the perfection, the, the right standing. And he's saying this, is that the way we can be right with God has been manifested. Verse 21. It's been shown. It's been revealed. And we thought, the Jews thought it was through their works. It was keeping all the rules, checking off all the boxes. He says, that's not it. The righteousness of God, how we can be right with God, has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, he says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So the Jews thought it was all about keeping all the rules, being perfect. But what they realized was is they couldn't. And so God made a way, and he says, no, no, it's not about that. It's not about cleaning yourself up. It's not about being perfect. It's about faith in Jesus. Let's keep going. Verse 22, end of 21. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Propitiation. That's a hard word. It means sacrifice. God put forward as a propitiation by his blood 
Here it is, to be received by faith. And then verse 28, for we hold that no one is justified by faith. We hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. You see, faith is the road to salvation. Trying to earn it is the road away from salvation. How many baseball fans do I have in the room? Any any baseball fans in particular? There we go. Stephanie Murphy's one. How many Houston Astros fans? I grew up a Rangers fan, so don't hate me. We're not very good. Um, I'm not really a baseball fan, but if if you're familiar with the Houston Astros, uh, you've had a good last year, two years, and they've really done well. Diego's shaking his head vigorously. Um, and uh, if you're familiar with some of their marketing, they have this slogan. Uh, it's on, I don't know when it popped up. I didn't research that. But in the last year or two, they used to call themselves Hustle Town, I think. Um, but they had this slogan that they put on shirts. I'm sure it's on all their practice gear, their bags. It's on all their marketing stuff. And it's this picture. Pate, do we have it? It's this right here. Simple phrase, earn it. Right? It's kind of gritty, right? And what they're trying to do uh, by put, putting earn it everywhere, at least I don't, I'm not in those marketing meetings, but I think what they're trying to say is we don't want a world championship handed to us. We, we want to earn it. We want to be the best. We want to be on top. We don't want to just have it, well, the Dodgers didn't pitch very well, so we kind of lucked into it. No, no, no. They want to earn it. They want to outwork outperform, out-hustle, out-play, out-study, out-everything, every other competitor, so that at the end, they can stand up there with the trophy and say, nah, we earned this. We didn't have this handed to us. We earned it, right? Uh, that's their phrase. It's, a, it's everywhere. It affects their culture. It affects their mind, how they practice, all these things, right? And that works, obviously, because they won the world championship last year, and they very well could do it again this year and the next. They're very good. Because they're earning it. Now, that works very well in professional baseball. It works very well in anything that is competitive. To have this mindset that I'm going to be better than everyone else. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to out-hustle. I'm going to out-play. I'm going to out-do everybody else. But friend, it doesn't work with God. Right? If this was our, our slogan every week, could you imagine if this is what we preach every week? Come on, team. You're sinning too much. What are you doing out there? Quit looking at that. Come on. Highway's doing better than us. Whatever, right? They had way more salvations last week than us, right? No, no. That is the opposite of what we're trying to preach here. The opposite of what we're trying to claim here. Salvation is not something that you earn. Salvation is not something that we outwork others for. Our relationship with God is not not about us putting others down so we can rise up to top, right? And this is hard for us competitive people. I'm a competitive person. I want my Aggies to succeed. I want them to beat Alabama so I can rub it in Gerald Prescott's face, right? I want to wear an Aggie polo right now and rip my shirt off and show, like, the big A&M logo right now and just point right at Gerald. But I can't, right, because I lost. Like, I want this to be true, but it's not true when it comes to God, right? Right? Our salvation is not based on something you earn. You don't get salvation because you're here, because you're in church, because you give enough money, because you volunteer, because you hold the door open, because you didn't cuss out your wife this morning, because you didn't steal money from your boss, because you aren't addicted to drugs, or whatever your standard is of 
being better than others. That is the opposite of the gospel. The only thing that we've earned before God is death. That's what the Bible says. Because of our sin, we earn separation from him forever because we chose our way, not his. That's what we earned. You see, salvation is not given to those who get their life together and look real pretty on the outside, put on a collared shirt and stand up here and preach. Salvation is not given to us because we don't do the bad things that those other people do. Uh Uh-uh. Salvation is given because of faith in Jesus alone. Faith that Jesus died in my place. Faith that I can't be good enough. I can't ever measure up. I can't ever keep all the rules. Faith that I'll never measure up and that's okay. Faith that says I put my whole life and my eternity in the hands of Jesus who was nailed to the cross by those hands and died the death that I deserved. And I'm putting all my chips in on that. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. And sin has this incredible way right here this morning of putting us all on the same playing field. We got people from all over, uh, really Texas, I think. People uh, with a lot of money, people with no money. People that are, look really nice today and people that don't look really nice today. I'm not going to point those out, but I'm just saying. We got, we got everything. But sin has this way of putting us all on the same playing field. That no one has an advantage. No one can out-earn or outwork anybody, right? We're all separated from God. We all fall short of the glory of God. And Paul points us as sinners this morning in the direction. He says, look, there's the way out of it. He points to faith. Faith in Jesus is the road to salvation. Trying to earn it leads you away from salvation. Flip over a couple of chapters to Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2, he says this, got to hustle. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Salvation, the road to salvation is through faith. Trying to earn it is the road away from salvation. And Paul says here that the way that we are justified before God is by faith. Now, what, is, what does justified mean? Um, it's not a word we use all the time. I guess if you got into uh, something at work and you got accused of something, right? Maybe stealing money or, you know, cheating the boss or whatever it was, and you got accused publicly of it, right? And then I kind of did some investigation, and what came out was, no, no, he's not doing that. You would be, what, justified, right? That you weren't doing anything wrong. You were right in what you did. That's what justified means. Now, uh, before God, it's really more of a legal term, right? It's this legal declaration uh, of someone in authority saying, uh, what you did was right. What you did was good. What you did was free of wrong, Right? It's a public declaration that you are right. You are not wrong. And so what this means spiritually, that we're justified by faith, it means that we stand before God, and and it's, it's this imagery of a courtroom, right? That we stand before God, the judge. And uh, we, we come before God, the judge, and our life is put on trial, right? And the devil is the uh, prosecuting attorney, and he presents all this evidence, video, 
you know, all this paper, all these witnesses, and he just slams us, right? He just accuses and accuses and accuses, and we sit there at the defense table knowing he's right. I did do that in seventh grade. I am doing that right now. I am a sinner, right? And it's this moment where God comes to the point where he's going to pronounce a verdict, and Jesus stands up, and he says, no, I'm taking his place. I'm going to take the punishment that he deserves, and he's going to go free. And Jesus sits at the defense table for us. And, and God justly declares, you're guilty, Jesus, of everything that this man did, and he lets us go free. That's what it means that we're justified. And what it means that we're justified by faith is the only way we can have Jesus swap places with us and him take our sin and us get his life is faith. Faith that he'll do it. He offers it. He says that he died for the whole world. But it takes that faith in him to swap places with him. It's like the jury standing up and pronouncing the verdict. And, and you know you're guilty. And they stand up to read it. And Jesus takes your place. And they pronounce him guilty. And you're standing right there. And you get to walk out of there and go be with your family. And go live life. And Jesus takes your punishment that you know you deserve. That's what it means to be justified. You were declared right, even though you weren't. That's what it means to be justified by faith. Jesus offers to take our place. It's called the great exchange, that we get his righteousness and he takes our sin. He doesn't swap identities with everyone, though. He doesn't just automatically you know, count towards you because you're alive. No, it takes faith in him. It takes knowing that I'm not good enough. I am guilty. God, I need help crying out to God. Faith in Jesus is the road to salvation. Let's flip to Romans 10. Romans 10, verses 9 through 15. This is the last verse, and then we'll be done. Romans 10, verses 9 through 15. And Paul lays out a really clear, tried and true method to see the path and the process of salvation. And here's what he says in verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, believe, have faith in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him, who has faith in him, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no qualifier there. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, this is where it gets to us. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? They can't call on him if they don't believe him. And how, can they, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? They can't believe in something they've never heard of. And how are they to hear without someone preaching or telling them? They, they can't hear unless somebody says it. Verse 15, and how are they to preach or tell about Jesus unless they are sent? They can't go unless they're sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then verse 17 makes it so clear. So faith comes from hearing, 
and hearing through the word of Christ. Paul says that we must confess with our mouth and believe with our heart in order to be saved. And those are really, those are two actions, confession, believing, but really they're one, right? Nobody confesses to a crime they didn't commit, right? Nobody confesses to something that they don't really believe. A confession is an overflow of the heart, that I believe this, I'm going to confess it. Zach says, I'm saved, I'm not fake anymore, I'm going to confess it publicly through baptism, right? And so that's what it takes in order to be salvation, to have salvation. Now, it's not some magical phrase, it's not this uh, <laughs> incantation or this, if you just say these words, then you'll be saved, right? That's not how it is, it's about faith, the road to salvation is about faith. But I want to look specifically at 14 through 17, because I think what he has to say there. Uh, it lays out the process of how someone comes to faith. And he goes in reverse order, and he says, uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him unless they have believed? And how can they believe unless they have heard? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can they tell them unless someone is sent? Right? And so if we flip it around, and we go, because I'm a process guy. I used to be an engineer back in the day. I want to know how things work. Step, step, step. So let's look at it, Pate. First one. The first step, tried and true method to see people come to Christ. The logical order is this. Let's see, number one. Do we have it? The order of events to salvation. Number one, the church sends disciples to preach. That's what we do. We leave here every Sunday. Nobody stays here all week. I've been here. You're not here. We leave out of this place, and we're sent and you're sent to so many places to impact so many people, so many work environments, home environments, families, friends, uh, organizations. You're sent everywhere. We send you out each week to preach. Now, don't get hung up on that word, right? Because it's not just what, what somebody does on this stage. Preaching is how you live your life. Preaching is how you talk to people. It's telling people about the good news of Jesus. So the church sends disciples to preach. And then if everything goes well, number two happens. The disciples, as they come in contact with people, they tell other people about Jesus. They preach the good news. Hey, you don't have to have that punishment. You can have this great exchange. Man, you're in this pit. You're, you're, you're addicted to this. Man, come on. Jesus offers freedom, right? That's what disciples do. They tell others about Jesus. And then those are the only two we have control over, one and two. The rest of them, God controls. Number three, the lost hear about Jesus. Makes sense. We're not preaching to thin air. We're preaching to people. We're telling people about Jesus. And so they hear. They hear the message with their ears physically. They process the information in their head. But not all of them let it sink into their heart. But some do. Number four, hearers believe in Jesus. Some of them do. When the message goes out, God says that my word does not return void. It comes back and some hear and some believe. They believe the truth that Jesus can save them, that Jesus can free them from this life where they're addicted to their selves, addicted to their sin. Some of them will believe. Number five, those who believe in their heart, they will call upon the Lord. They will cry out for salvation. That's their expression of their faith. God, I need you. I, I can't do this on my own. I trust that you died in my place. That's what they do, some of them, when they believe. And then number six, those believers are saved. Believers are saved. If any of these steps break down, Paul is saying, we're not going to see people come to Christ. We're not going to see people know. Not going to see people experience salvation. 
But the, the, the crazy thing to me is, and I think this humbles us, we only control two of them, really. We really only control two of the steps. Number three, number four, number five, number six is out of our control. Some, peop- some people hear, they just reject it. That's not in our control. We can't change that. What we can change is number one and number two. Are we really sending out each week to go and share the truth about the gospel? Are we really leaving this place with that mindset? Because if we're not, then we've, we've messed up step number one and no one's going to get saved this week. But if we leave with that intention, that my job this week, my aim in that friend group, in that person's life, in my workplace, is to see how I can preach the gospel to them, how I can share the good news that I've experienced. If we're doing number one and we're doing number two, then inevitably we will see people come to Christ. God's word will not return void. And so my first challenge as we wrap this thing up is to those who are disciples. How are we doing on one and two? Are we being sent out each week? And are we actually being obedient to help people understand the truth that they can't know God through faith in Jesus alone? Are we? See, if we aren't, we can keep doing this every week. We can keep turning on the lights in the air. But one day there won't be life in this place if we're not doing one and two. One day there will not be a church here if we do not... uh, If we are not obedient to preach the gospel where we are sent, if we are not obedient to share, allow the gospel to impact those around us, this place will not be full of life. It won't. That's the truth. We will not see people come to Christ. And so that's my challenge to you who are disciples. The challenge to those who maybe are hearing this for the first time. And I'm not saying that you're, you, you heard my voice. You actually took your earplugs out this morning. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying those that are hearing, hearing it in your heart. Like Zach last week, right? Zach had heard the message of the gospel a thousand times. I've taken him to youth camp. I've preached it to him on Wednesday nights a hundred times or more, 150 times or more. But last week, Zach heard. And God produced belief in his heart he called out to the Lord to be saved, and God saved him, right? right? Some of you are hearing this for the first time. You're hearing the good news. That Jesus died to save you, and he, he will take your place, take the death you deserve, and give you life that you don't deserve, but he did. And some of you are hearing this, and you're lost, and you may have been a part of the church for 50 years, 10 years. Maybe this is your first time. Some of you are hearing this for the first time. Go down the road to faith. That's the way you can be saved. Go down the road of faith. Quit trying to earn your way to God. Quit trying to clean yourself up enough. Quit trying to prove that you're good enough to God. You'll never do it. You can try your whole life. You'll never do it. Go down the road of faith. Jesus offers to save you. If you go down this road trying to prove it and earn it, like the Astros, you... You'll never be on top. Only Jesus can be perfect. And he died in your place so you can have salvation. As we close and and as our band comes forward um, to lead us in a time of worship and response, you know, we always have this time at the end, and you may find it awkward. You may want to leave. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, But it's important. Um, I'm going to be up here if you want to talk. I'm not uh, special. There are other men and women in this room that you can talk to. 
But if you want to come forward and talk to me, I would love to talk to you. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, if you want to place faith in him for the first time, come. But there are others around you, life group leaders and people you know, go pray with them. Whatever God calls you to do in this time, um, do it, right? If you need to come forward and pray, if you need to sit in your seat and pray, if you need to go outside and grab somebody and pray, if you just need to worship, if you just need to sit and think, if you need to come talk to me, I'll be here, but I'm not special, right? Deal with God. It says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, not those who come talk to Byron, not those who kneel at the altar, not those who anything, right? Call upon the Lord. Go, go towards the way of faith, right? Let me pray for us. If you would, stand with me as we pray. God, I, I do pray for uh, those who are hearing this for the first time and, and are believing in their heart that you died on the cross and rose from the grave. And you offer salvation. You offer a swap, a great exchange. God, I pray that they would take that, call upon your name, and believe in you for the first time, God. God, I pray for those of us who know you, God. May we be more diligent, more faithful, God, to share that with our lost friends, to share that with our lost family, those who don't know you. God, may we love you so much that we would do that, God. May we want that for our neighbors as much as we have it for ourselves, God. So be with us, God, as we worship, as we um, have people respond to the gospel, as we um, just spend the last few moments responding to what you've called us to do, God. So we love you, and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Spotless righteousness, the great unchanged. 
glory 